Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we will discuss the Holy Eucharist. This is part 19 of our What We Believe series, and um, it's, been, it's been a good series. I hope you've enjoyed it and endured it. Uh, we have, and um, we're going to be wrapping it up. This is um, what one of three episodes left, and uh, you know, kind of a pretty important one here, <laughs> the Holy Eucharist. So let's jump right into it. Tom, what is the Holy Eucharist? So it's the meal that we have with Christ and the saints who have gone before us and the saints who are gathered in the church with us. That is a foretaste of the heavenly banquet that we'll have for eternity in the new, in the kingdom of God. Um, That's what the Christian view of it is, the Historically, it's um, it was the Passover meal that was adapted, and it's at, simply it's just bread and wine eaten together. But it's it's uh, it's the meal that we eat as Christians. It's if you're a, a sacramental Christian, it's the reason you're at church on Sunday. Mm. Not to hear, not to hear the sermon, not to hear. Um, not to shake buddy's hands, although that's all nice. All that stuff is helping us get ready to meet Christ at his table. Mm. Okay. Um, I've got questions on some of that. So explain that more, why it's not about, you know, this or that. It's about the meal, as you call it. Um, That's a funny word. Um, Why is it about that? Um, I guess you could probably just explain that, I guess, but... That's an interesting, I don't know if I've heard that specifically before, that, that this is, I know it's the pinnacle. <laughs> um, I started to say the payoff, but that's the wrong word, but it's the pinnacle. Um, everything comes to that. Why? Why? Well, one reason is we, we know that that was what was different about the early churches gathering on the first day of the week. We, we pray every day of the week. You know, you can sing any day of the week. You can learn any day of the week, Mm. read scripture any day of the week, have fellowship any day of the week. But we see from scripture in the book of Acts that the early Christians met to break bread, which is referring to the Eucharist, on the first day of the week. You know it's talking about the Eucharist if you read Romans or 1 Corinthians, especially 1 Corinthians. So... Since the beginning of the church, we've set aside Sunday as the time that we do that. It doesn't mean that's the only time you can do it. Right. But but that's what made the first day of the week different from other days of the week. Because it said they met daily also. But, and Jesus said, whenever you do this, you um, proclaim... Paul said, "You proclaim the Lord's death when until He comes again." And Jesus said, "Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of Me." So, 
he he didn't set aside preaching as a sacrament. You know, <laughs> he didn't set aside fellowship as a sacrament, although fellowship is built into the Eucharist. But or singing, he didn't set aside singing as a special thing. You know, right. although it's special. But okay, Everett, jump in. Um, you know, I I, I had a, a parishioner who had came over from a Baptist tradition and um, she was reflecting upon what was different about her Baptist tradition than, you know, her tradition now uh, in the Episcopal Church. And, you know, and, and she said that in the Baptist tradition, it was all about the sermon mm-hmm. and about the mm-hmm. teaching, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um and that was really was was the focus, and 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 she said that 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 this is a, you know for her a positive that our life centers around gathering at an altar with bread and with wine, hmm. um, and and she really appreciates that about the tradition. And it's not that sermons are not important or teaching is not important, um, but. You know, Jesus gave us this meal and said, do this, and as often as you do it, you'll be doing it in remembrance of me. Um, and, and, and we believe that in some way, Jesus shows up in that meal. Uh, Jesus is there, you know, present. Um, and so for that, I think it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's really powerful. Um, yeah. yeah. The um, the uh, so in 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 the Baptist tradition, which I I came from, that you know, there's the uh, the Lord's Supper is um, observed once a year, and um, and so and then it's it's uh, you know and, and it's grape juice and and uh, crackers, I guess if if I remember right, whatever it was, and um, and we won't go down that road, <laughs> but. But it was, and, and I have heard um, people say, you know, this is something that I wish that we did more often. Um, to the point for in, in um, my um, childhood and, and adolescence that it wasn't even a big deal, um, which is weird to say now. Um, that it was not a focus, but I also, when you said that something kind of popped out to me that she said it was all about the sermon, then it, it, it kind of brings and from, and just from my experience, um, there's the legalistic view of Christianity, um, in, in what I would, my experience may be. And as you said, you know, it's all about the sermon. Well, geez, that makes sense that it's all that the legalistic side stands out in that when it's all about teaching and rules and law and this and that, and as opposed to what I would consider a grace field, um, sim, uh, event <laughs> in the Eucharist, um, how that could come off differently if it's, you know, m- turned down a lot, if you will, you know, just used that, once a, once a year. That's what I was going to say, Justin, it changes when you're there to hear a sermon or sing with the lights off, so you can get into your like Zen, 
zone and just take notes and learn. Um. You know, you're think you're thinking about oh man, I'm just gonna really better myself here, trying right. to grow spiritually. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's all about you. And it's about it's it's a mental exercise. It's hmm. all about your head. Right. But that is what the evangelical world has lost by losing the Eucharist. Um by not making it the center of their worship. Oof. And they've turned Christian faith into a, I don't know, an exercise in <clears throat> mental discipline or just a, a knowledge-based faith. But it's experiential. It's about community. Mm. And you can't realize that if you're not, and I'm not saying we do it perfectly. We certainly don't. Right. right. We have a lot we could do better. Right. But um, we, it, it changes, it's harder to argue, to be argumentative and di- dividing when you're breaking bread with somebody. You know, mm. when you're arguing about points of doctrine, it's easy to divide. But if you have to sit with them and, and kneel together or sit together and eat the bread and wine, it's, it changes the way you approach them. That's great point. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that, that we just have to acknowledge that for a period of time, you know, particularly in the Protestant tradition, um, the, you know, sort of the development of our theology of, of the Eucharist one, it, it, it was a pushback against Roman abuse, right, and misuse of, of communion and what communion was. Um, I think, although I think that's probably a little bit overplayed, but, but, but two was <laughs> it was a desire to not be like those Catholics. Right. And right. so it became a point of different, a difference. Um, and so our unity, so, so, and I, and I don't really, I say our, because I mean, I, I think the Episcopal Church and the Anglican tradition is sort of in this weird spot of both being kind of a Protestant and Catholic church, but um, we're not Roman Catholic. Um, and I, so, I, so I think that for a, for a while, there was this large drive of let's not do anything that could be considered Roman mm, Catholic. Right. Um, to the detriment of, of, of our theology, our mm. worship, and our attachment to the tradition. Great point. Yeah, that's that. Um, we are more about what we are not than what we are, um, <laughs> which is a, which yeah. is an interesting nod to our little podcast here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's and I'm and I was thinking about that too. And Tom, you know, Tom said we have much to learn, and I appreciate that humility, um, uh, humble phrasing there too, because. Um, it is. I mean, we sit here and talk and it's like, oh, we're right. You know, not not we don't say that, obviously, but um, I mean, we know it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but it's something to where we have to take from one another, um, because just like, um, you know, the Baptist tradition and all of the good, um, which reminds me back to what is generous orthodoxy. Is that McLaren's book? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see what is uh, the positive and plus to each denomination, grab that book. But there are all things we can learn from one another as 
we are the church, um, each and every one of us together. So, uh, but these are thoughts, and that's what that's kind of why I use the language my experience too when talking about this because this is just me. Um, other people are I grew up with are still Baptist, and that's all good. <laughs> so, um, dang it, there was something I was going to touch on, um, and I forgot what it was. Um, okay, well, so. Let's do this, Everett. I'm going to come to you to start with. Um, how does it symbolize the Eucharist, Christ's life, death, and resurrection, as it states in the Book of Common Prayer? How does it represent each of those three? Um, I think that what I would say is is that it is a participation in His life, death, and resurrection. Um, and so if um, you know, if if in some mystical way, um, the the bread and wine are also the body and blood of Jesus, then our consuming of Jesus is um, is 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 his whole life. So I think it's a. I would say it is a. Um, I don't know if the writers of the catechism would mean this, but I would use the word participation mm, okay. um, rather than symbolizes. Mm, okay. um, so, I mean, I think, I think that's a, a big, what transformed me about Holy Communion. I mean, it's always been something that was important to me. It was the thing that once I left, uh, decided I, you know, I didn't want to be in the evangelical church world. Um, the thing that drew me back, to the Episcopal Church was the importance of, of communion and, and how meaningful that was for me. Um, but but what really then took it what, from something that was something that was um, uh, uh, something I enjoyed to something that transformed me was this vision that we have um, in the Orthodox tradition um, in particular about um, that Holy Communion is this participation in like the heavenly banquet that that this is heavenly worship and 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 we are we are experiencing we are experiencing heaven like like the space time continuum has somehow mm. you know broken for a moment and we are in we are in another plane they, okay, so to develop that, and Tom, you mentioned this earlier, you said we are taking communion with uh, the meal, you mentioned, um, with saints gone before us and saints present. Explain that. What do you mean by that? What's And, and as, as Everett was alluding to or saying right then, um, the heavenly banquet, banquet what is that? <laughs> so... My liturgy, my theology professor might um, say I'm crazy here, but uh, I'll just, and I've, we've, we've talked about this, my old theology teacher before. So time is a product of the creation, right? Yep. The first, one of the first things God created is time. So, so God lives outside of time. And so there's a sense in which, and those saints, those who have died, you know, if we believe in the existence of the soul after death, are also outside of time. So there's a sense, and so Paul wrote in Ephesians, you are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus when you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
He's talking about baptism. So there's a sense in which God is at the beginning and the end right now. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're um, already there, Justin, at the dinner table. Because um, as soon as you are sealed with the Spirit, marked as Christ's Son forever, we say, you got your seat. And so this, and the foretaste of that is communion. Um, that's the idea. Of, we talk about the Christ is really present in the Eucharist. We are gathered at that table. There's a sense in which we slip outside of time and gather with the church that's gone before. I think that's a powerful thought, especially if you're taking communion at a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um for a loved one who's who's died, right? Um, you're taking it with them. It's it's a new way of fellowship. So, and also another passage to think about. I'm because I'm thinking of like evangelicals who are listening to this. Um, is the verse in Hebrews? You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, so that's what I would go to. So the um, so you mentioned through that um, you kind of like there's baptism um, with this which is death into new life. Then um, you are uh, <laughs> gosh sealed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, what? Oh my gosh! What do you do after you're baptized See, with the oil? <laughs> you're sealed. You're sealed by the Spirit with the oil. Okay, thank you. Good not get language words. Um, and so then as that, uh, Tom said, that is your, you now have a seat. Is that what you said at the banquet? And then after that, so we talked about this during the baptism is once you are baptized, then you are, you know, uh, we'll say, I hate the word aloud. I'm sorry, invited to then partake in communion in the Eucharist, right? All of that checks out, I guess. So, that is your invitation, if you know. That would be your <laughs> letter <laughs> of reservation to the holy banquet. I'm, this is terrible. Sorry for all this. Um, but um, so in that, we go to the communion. And someone's mentioned this. I'm pretty sure it was you, Tom, some time ago. But an interesting thought um, exercise is when we are taking communion, is to consider the fact that we are at the banquet with many, many other churches who observe communion on the same day at the same t- each week as us. And I'd never thought about that, and, and I'm not going to get caught up in like, well, we meet at 10 a.m. and they meet at 9 a.m. <laughs> but it's the idea that we are all observing this heavenly banquet with the people who are present with us at this time and those who have gone on. So there's a good explanation of, um, of God being outside of time to, um, I think on the, I want to say on the first, everything is spiritual by Rob Bell. He does a great job of explaining that, uh, Kronos and Cairo. So if you have never seen it, it's on YouTube, FYI. Um, so anything to add to that Everett? You know, I think the other, um, aspect of it that that that's really powerful is you know there's this point in the Eucharistic prayer 
which the the celebrant says, you know, lift up your hearts, and the people respond, we lift them up to the Lord. Mm. And shortly thereafter, we say, and now we join our voices with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth is full of your glory, right? This is the song that in Isaiah and Revelation is described that the angels are just singing over and over and over again. Mm. And so the reason we sing that song um, each and every Sunday is because we are joining with the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven who forever singing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Um, and and so that's that attachment is, is that song is talked about both in Isaiah and Revelation as the song, uh, as the heavenly song. Um, and that should be a clue for us or a reminder. I mean, that's like a... a a prompt for us to sit there and go, okay, you know, um, something, something, something mm. bigger is happening right now. Right. Right. Hmm. Um, Tommy, uh, yeah, Tommy, anything else to add to that? No, or sir. Move on. Okay. Um, so let's talk about something else that um, it said in the outline of faith catechism is that it, the benefits and one of the benefits um, was that we receive uh, is are the forgiveness of sins. So that drew a question in my mind. It's like, okay, well, we say the confession prior to the Eucharist. So where does forgiveness of sins fit into the Eucharist? So I'm hoping that one of you feels called to <laughs> explain that one. <laughs> Oh, don't make me pick someone. <laughs> pick Everett. Everett. So, so, um. <laughs> so what, what, I, I, I don't think what it is saying is is that that you your sins are forgiven when you eat this meal, but that it is a reminder that your sins have been forgiven. You are you you are eating in this banquet. We are um, we, we we are the prodigal son. And the father has invited us into mm. um, the meal. And so it is a reminder and a sign and a witness to the unchangeable love of God and God's desire each and every day to go out to uh, and look out on the horizon and see us coming back and running and greeting us um, and saying, let's have a let's have a party. Good. Um, so I think it is, I, I, I think that, that the forgive. I think it is a reminder of the forgiveness of our sins. Mm. I think, you know, if all these things are true, that indeed we are gathered with those who have gone before us, if we are gathered with the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven, if we are feasting on, uh, on, on, you know, the, the, the lamb that was slain for us, um, how could, you know, how, you know, how, how could there be sin? Mm. There is, as Paul says, there is no condemnation, um, and so I think that's what um, I think that's what that I think that's what that means. And I'll stop preaching right now. No, it's good. It's great, man. You're rattling off. I, you actually gave me chills when the when you're the heavenly angels and archangels, and <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Tom, any anything to add? No, sir. Um, so, I, why do I have Harry Potter? Uh, Hogwarts uh, 
what? Oh gosh, come on, man. Cafeteria. What the heck? The Great Hall. I have that in my mind, <laughs> where they all sit down at the and at the tables and eat. <laughs> Cafeteria. God. That's what I have pictured in my head, and and everyone's you know there's abundance and enjoyment and all these things and. Sin can exist there, uh, not in, not in Hogwarts, but you know what I mean. The heavenly banquet. So that that's what comes right. to mind. That's a, that's a that's a good mental image because I don't have a different mental image. Um, but when I had this conversation about the the saints um, with us, and and um, someone had mentioned that when we are at the altar and we are taking communion, um, that, you know, the, the saints are around us. And if you were to, and, and there is a painting of this and I'm just not, you know, that guy to rattle off with the name of it, but there is something to where you look up and above you are just thousands and thousands of their portrayal of angels. Um, and there's trumpets and things like this, but that's kind of that image I have in my head of, 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 Eucharist. So yes, I'm just sitting there in good old St. Patrick's at the altar, but the idea that so many people, those before, those with, um, are celebrating the lamb or taking of communion at that time and what that means, um, I, I, you don't get that from sermons, <laughs> no matter how good they are. Um, and there is just something more to that being a part of it and things that are larger. I mean, there's a sense of peace with that. Um, and so that's that's my portrayal of it. Um, I don't want to get into this because it has a negative connotation. I don't really want to end it this way, but I have to ask this. <laughs> um, there is something to... Before you go to the altar um, in Scripture, you are to make amends. Uh, geez, did Jesus say this? <laughs> and and um, you're to make amends with your fellow humans. And if you have not done that before you go to the altar, um, you are to leave your sacrifice at the altar and go out and make amends. And now this altar, this isn't the place to where they were doing communion, but they were doing sacrifices. But... I'm curious what how you all feel about this now. Tom gave a great sermon. Um, Tom, do you want to set it up real quick, uh, like briefly, <laughs> as to what your sermon alluded to in that case? Well, you're really thinking highly of me that I remember that sermon from. Oh, I, well, I, I can then if you can't. So it was, uh, I think you're talking... Um, where Jesus said in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, He's preaching in Galilee, and he's talking about yes. the Jews in Jerusalem, and he said, um, whenever you are offering your gift, if you hear your brother has something against you, leave that gift, and then go back to your brother and be reconciled. So that speaking to people in Galilee, imagine them like tying their uh, their bird, their turtle dove up to a, you know, a post or something, and then walking back to Galilee— to be reconciled with their brother and then coming back, which is how far away? Ballpark. Oh, I don't, re I don't remember, but it wasn't a short walk. Yeah, I mean, it's like twenty miles, maybe thirty miles. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. So, I just love that image. It's a great, and and that's, I mean, that is what it boils down to, like context. You know, because maybe that doesn't make sense. Sure, it does by itself, but when you throw in twenty or thirty miles of walking into that, it's like, oh, this is. 
important. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know that we do this. Do we? What? Do you, I mean, is this something that we think about before we take Eucharist? You know, this is something the Episcopal Church or anyone else that takes communion. Do we hold this seriously? Do we really go out and make amends with our, you know, brother or sister? Um, thoughts, Tom. Well, that, that's why we have the peace mm. in our service. Ooh, um, good segue. It's not well, supposed uh, to be a handshake time. It's supposed to be a time where you. It's supposed to remind you of this principle that ah. you're supposed to be reconciled. Keep your thoughty. Yeah. That was it. Okay, go ahead, Everett. Well, and and I think this is one of the deficiencies of of um, church in America is that we are so segmented um, that it's easy for us to go and it is easier for us to, have to go and have this peace because the people at church look like us, they vote like us, you know, um, mm. you know, and 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 so. So the things that we have to apologize for or the things that we have to make peace over uh, generally then um, many times are sort of, you know, trivial things. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the real idea is like, a, like if there was like one Episcopal church in all of Tulsa and we really had to uh, sit there and say, you know, I, I I love all of you and I forgive all of you. You know, it would mean forgiving people who are who are far different than us. Hmm. And and that's harder to do. Um, there is only one Episcopal church in Shawnee. <laughs> there you go. It's hard to get mad and go somewhere else. Oh, that's funny. Right. <laughs> so do you experience that kind of the peace in that way? Tom, mm-hmm. not you. At your church, I no, I don't know. Not, <laughs> I mean, no, not really. We're not even doing it right now. We're because of the pandemic, but right. We're, I mean, we're saying the peace of the Lord, but we're not. Yeah. Um. But we. Uh, but I even in have, that case, right? I, I mean, Tom. Let me. I mean, let me ask you. I mean, I think you know, just even denominationalism, right? I mean is you know feeds into this because then i don't have to be with christians who think like that Mm. right there's a large discussion here um and i think it's a good one to um to have uh you know there is the idea i believe it was mlk jr that said you know um sunday morning is the most segregated hour in in um you know whatever our country our world whatever it is um, and I think that kind of goes along the lines of not just race, but also, um, you know, political ideology, uh, so many things. I can't even begin to list them. So maybe there's another discussion there. Um, what, what have we not covered about the Eucharist that you wanted to talk about, Tom? I think we've said everything that can be said on the subject. Just as always, we exhaust Every point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everett. No, good. We good. It's good. All right. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Um, you know, in case you have not heard, 
there is a pandemic. And I hope that each of you take care of yourselves um, so that you take care of others. But in that, um, we do a lot of thinking physically in that, but also um, the pandemic, uh, Tom and Ever and I were having a discussion before we started recording, recording about the mental weight of a pandemic. So um, hopefully you have a community. Hopefully you have some brothers and sisters um, that you can sit down and talk with. Um, maybe you need more than that. Um, I hope you just have people in your lives that you can sit down and kind of unplug, unwind, <clears throat> and decompress from everything going on in the world. It is heavy. It's very, very heavy. There's so much going on. So I ask and, and uh, pray that you take care of yourselves and reach out to people um, that you can talk with. And if you don't know who you can do that with, reach out to us um, through Facebook, Twitter, whatever, however. Um, and uh, we'll be glad to help in any way that we can. Uh, but just please take care of yourselves. It's a, it's a tough and difficult world for many, many reasons out there right now. And we just want everyone to be able to have a place they can go feel comfortable and find some peace, friendship, and fellowship. After all that, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.